You know, I was talking to a friend of mine and we was talking how we sometimes in the heat of the moment pick up these hot, hairy, hung men only to wake up in the morning and and our wallet is gone or our TV is gone and and I was just interested because the conversation I had with this friend of mine was older than me and he's still picking up young boys. When I say young boys, at our age, anything 50 and above is pretty much still young. <laughs> My name is Eric and welcome to the craziness that lives inside. I titled this podcast, Gay Gangsters of the 60s and 70s. And the reason why I did that, because no one, I don't think anyone would think about gay men being gangs and they're gangsters, but they are. Um, well, I should say they were. Now I don't know. I don't have a faintest idea. But I'll give an example and I was Started off the, uh, the program with my friend. I mean, he's old. He's never had a bad experience picking up uh, men in his days. You know, he's from the 50s, 60s. No, so, I mean, he is 70, what, 75. And he's, he's uh, decided to pick up a young boy. We all know why. I mean, let's be honest. The boy was hung. He had to have it. And I've been there. I haven't been there in decades, but I remember doing stuff like that when I was drinking and drugging back in the 70s and 60s and 80s. I remember doing that. I haven't done it since. I mean, I've learned my lesson. So anyway, this happened a year ago because when it happened, he called me up. He had to call the police. The police came. The boy didn't want to leave. and oh, It was a big mess. He had to go to court because they changed the rules when the last time I did it. And I told him I had boyfriends uh, I'll kick him out in a minute. I just changed the locks and they try to kick my door in. I mean, we could go into stories about men who try to kick my door in after I kicked him out. And, but I told him, yes, they changed the rules because of AIDS. When AIDS came out in the 80s and a lot of guys who was HIV or who had AIDS was being evicted for that, they changed the rules. So he had this boy not technically living with him, um, the boy, well, the boy, I shouldn't say this, it's kind of embarrassing for him. He picked the boy from one of the dating lines, but the boy was living in a shelter. And he was trying to help the boy. And he allowed the boy to use his address to get an ID. He didn't have an ID. He allowed the boy to use his address because the boy needed an ID in order to get a job. Or this. I mean, when he was telling, going through this and telling me, and I said, you know... That's on you. And I kept saying, that's on you. That's on you. So now, it was on him. The guy turned out to be an alcoholic and drug addict. And uh, things got worse. Wouldn't go to work, of course. He got, he got the boy a job. And I, when he got the boy a job, I said, did, uh, did he find a job? He goes, no. Okay, you got the boy a job. You the one that took the boy down there to get the boy's ID. You did this to you. Or what did he do? Besides 
stick his dick in your ass. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I was. That was my question. Couldn't answer. I think that was it. So, and I said to him, "You," I said, "Don't you know you're at the age that these young boys look at you as a sugar daddy? They want these sugar daddies, so they prey on your on old men." Now, I found that out when I wasn't old at the time. I was in my my thirties and forties, and back then it really didn't matter. You would just have these guys that prey on guys that soft and whatever so they can take advantage, get their drugs, have a place of a roof on their head and food in their stomach. So anyway, now it, this happened to my friend happened about a year ago. So we having a conversation, nice, pleasant conversation. And he said, um, does beer goes bad? And I said, what do you mean beer goes bad? He said, well, how long can you keep beer? I said, I don't know. I said, I know, because I wasn't a beer drinker. I told him I was never a beer drinker. But I do know if you have a bottle of beer and you open it, you know, you take a glass full and you put it back on the refrigerator, it gets flat. That's all I know. So he goes, oh, okay. And then I asked him, because he doesn't drink. I said, you don't drink beer. You don't drink at all. I mean, why you, what brought this up? So he says to me, the guy that I told you about, he had to kick out, had to, had to go to court, get the guy evicted, because the guy had his address on his ID, so he couldn't just kick him out. See, in his 80s, before they changed the rules, I told him before they changed the rules, you just kick him, I just kick him out. I called the cops. The cops come and said, no, you gotta go, sir. Yeah, I don't, but now... He, because he, the boy had an ID with his address on it, he had to have the boy evicted. So that cost him money. He cost him a lot of money to get rid of this kid. I said to myself, man, that must be some good dick. Anyway, so he brought this up that he had these cans of beer in his refrigerator ever since. And I said, well, what are you keeping them for? And he said... Well, he has a nephew that loves to drink. He has a cousin I love to drink. And sometimes they come over, he was going to give them a beer, you know. And then I didn't, I was nice and I didn't bring this up. But I was going to say, well, as far as I know, his cousin and his nephew been up there at least three times since in that in that one year. And he's, he's still having offered him a drink. And I'm saying to myself, what are you holding on to in my head? What are you holding on to? We keep stuff in our lives and for me sometimes I keep stuff in my life as a momentum or whatever but if it's a if it's a bad experience what momentum would I have and it's funny because when me and my friend had these conversations about the, the 70s and 80s he goes well I mean do you have a picture this one, do you have a picture I said no first of all we never took pictures they very very rarely back then want to take pictures because you see, they were undercover. They were, how you say, in the closet, undercover, homosexuals. So they didn't want to be associated. They want to have sex with you, but they don't want to be associated with that type of, you know. But now, getting to what happened in my head, I started having these flashbacks of these guys 
that I had to have kicked out of my house. And that's when it brought to, back to me about gay gangsters. Because I do know, or did know, whatever, some gay guys who turns out, who were in a so-called gang, or who did gangster stuff, or who was, I don't know, the one that comes to mind was back in the 60s when I was in high school. And his name was Eric. He had a girlfriend, Linda. Linda hated me. I don't know why she hated me. She pushed me down the stairs. Yes, she did. She pushed me down the stairs. She used to call me fat name. You fat this, you fat that. And she pushed me down the stairs. And when I fell down the stairs and I got up, I slapped the shit out of her. And we were fighting. And she said, I'm going to get my boyfriend. I'm going to get my, he going to kick your ass. I'm going to get my boyfriend because he's in the gang. That Eric wasn't a gang, a neighborhood gang. So I got scared. I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, I didn't tell my mom this. I didn't buy my family because I was playing hooky from school at that point because I didn't want to meet up with Eric. You know, this is junior high school, by the way. And so we had two or three classes together. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So to make a long story short, Eric didn't, didn't kick my ass. She was upset about it. She was really upset about it because her boyfriend and his gang didn't kick my ass. And I saw him because I, I kept my distance. Then finally I saw him in the cafeteria. He just he was smiling. I said, how you doing? How you doing? I said, well, he, he looked at me. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And kept on going. This is Eric who was in a gang. And he was beaten up. Well, he was beating up, um, well, he was beating up guys for money, you know. You know that old story from those old days. The guy, well, I was a fat kid. How the fat kid get beat up for his um, lunch money. So, the, you know. So, here we go. Fast forward. That was in the 60s. Maybe two years after I graduated. Um, I think after I graduated high school. Actually, it was long Because that happened in junior high school. When I graduated high school and I started working on 42nd Street as a messenger, I ran into Eric. And I'm going to tell you something. This butch gangster man from the 60s, when I saw him on 42nd Street, he was a flaming queen. I'm like, holy shit. This guy who was beating up other guys and kicking ass and screwing females was a flaming queen. So, I mean, he looked like he acted like a flame. He didn't act butch like he did in junior high school. He acted like a flaming queen. So, anyway, we met on, on the street. I saw him on the street. We was talking. I don't know if you know the group. I forgot the name of the group. They made a, a record called um, Do It Till You Satisfy. I forgot the name of the group. But he was making their costumes. He was a seamstress. He was making costumes for these um, up-and-coming new disco artists. I was like, wow. Wow. Could you imagine that? The gay guy who had a gang, he was a gay gangster, turned out to be a flaming queen. And then the other thing that happened, you know, and that was in early 70s. And then I, I as we go, yada, 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 there was another incident, which was interesting. Of course, I got my own apartment. I lived in the Bronx. I had an upscale, not upscale, but I had a high-rise apartment, a balcony facing Manhattan. I was living a life of rally and high, the high gay life. I was having dust parties, pot parties, parties, hanging out all night, 
just drinking and carrying on. And, and of course, I was hanging out at one of the clubs and I brought home this guy. Now, yes, he was very good. Yes, the sex was hot. Yeah, of course, I wouldn't run him out. The sex was hot. So anyway, he didn't want to leave. He claimed he was living with his mother and he didn't want to do So I let him stay for a while. And then he started to disappear. And then I will see him for about a week and then he'll come back. And I said, what happened? Oh, I was good at the job. I think he, I think he said he was working or something like that. And, and now he's, you know, back with me, stay a week, of course, screw my brains out, and he, and he disappears again. And I'm like, what the hell is going on with this? So this time, I got mad because it was longer. It was the second time he did this. It was a week the first time. Now it was over two weeks I haven't seen him. I had a car. I took all his belongings, which I bought him, put them in three shopping bags, put them in the trunk of my car, and that's where they stayed. I got rid of anything associated with him. I stayed. Speaking of the beer, my other friend who was keeping the beer, I got rid of that. He had beer. He was drinking stuff that I don't drink. I got rid of it. Oh, I should say, I gave it to, gave it to my friends because they love to drink. But anything that's associated with it, I got rid of it because it was a bad experience. Why would I want this experience? So anyway, he called me up and he said, listen, I want to come over. I said, no, you can't come over. Um, I don't, I really don't want to be bothered with you no more. In fact, I put all your clothes in my trunk of my car. Just ring the bell downstairs. I come down. I just hand you your stuff. Okay. He got mad and he cursed me out. He said, I'm coming up there to kick your ass. Me and my boys. We're going to come up there and kick your ass. Okay. I just hung up. I called my friend Ronnie. He said, Ronnie, I just had this experience with guy. He's going to come up and kick my ass. I think maybe I should spend a week with, a week with you so when he comes, I won't be here or whatever. Ronnie said, no, you stay there. He goes, you stay there, Miss Eric. I'll get Paul, and we'll be right there. So Ronnie and Paul came to my house. They both had knives. Ronnie had a longer knife than Paul. And Ronnie said, let's go downstairs. Let's go to, we'll wait for him. And if he starts any trouble, we're going to stab the shit out of him. In fact, Miss, Miss Erica, maybe you should bring a knife too, which I did. The one that I could fit in my pocket. So we were waiting. We were ready to stab the hell out of this guy. He said he's going to bring his boys and kick my ass. So anyway, we don't know what happened. We waited and waited. He said he was on his way. We waited that night and got high and everything. Next morning, we woke up with a hangover and stuff. That's when he should have came. We were all hung up. Hangover. He's come. So what I did was, I said, okay. I took I took his stuff and threw it, threw it in the garbage. You know. Just took it and just threw it in the garbage. And the dumpster. Remember they had those dumpsters back then in New York? I just put it in the garbage. Never never heard from the guy. So actually, like Miss, Miss Ronnie said, was probably was a, a, a threat. But you know, getting back to gang, gay, gangster, Miss Ronnie and Miss Paul, they did stuff like that. They used to go around bringing home straight boys and ripping them off. Could you imagine? They would go around picking up straight boys, make them buy them drinks, whatever, at the bar, bring them home, get the sex, and then they'll rip them off. <laughs> well, that's my story about gay, gay gangster. There were more, there are more, but I can't think of them right now. Those are the two big ones that popped in my head. Thank you.
for listening to the craziness that lives inside my head.